You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We're going to continue this series about thriving and uh, reviving, surviving the coming siege. In 1966, under the leadership of Mao, under the leadership of Mao Zedong, the Cultural Revolution uh, began in China. When the communists took over, one of the first things they did was to burn all of the Western books. Schools and universities were closed. Churches were turned into warehouses, and even crosses that were found on Christian graves were chiseled uh, off of the headstones. All pastors were gathered up, and they were either killed or put into prison. Every Christian pastor. Everyone was forced to bow down every day to a picture of Mao Zedong. Those who would not bow down would have their legs broken below the knees. And uh, I'm not going to say a lot about this, but it's just a a reminder of how wonderful communism is. Okay? Uh, Just a reminder of that. That's what we're describing here. I say that facetiously just in case you hadn't figured it out. This was to be a massive revolution, and the church was to be put out of business. At the same time, the communists began intense brainwashing. The way that the communists went after the youth of China is uh, uh, infamous, uh, and the impact they had as they did this intense brainwashing. The lack of compliance brought severe penalties, and many said that the church in China will die. This is 1966. They were stripped of all of their rights, all political power. They were forbidden to share their faith personally and privately. When the Cultural Revolution came to China, there were an estimated 500,000 Christians in China in 1966 when this, what I just described to you, took place. Many said, there's no way the church can survive under this intense persecution. Today, there's estimated in China to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 234 million Christians. When the Cultural Revolution began and the communists totally took over, about half a million. Today, it's estimated that there's 234 million. See, the Cultural Revolution officially ended in 1976. However, China is still a communist and very much, therefore, an atheist country with no liberty and still plenty of persecution. Uh, Church buildings or homes uh, and businesses that are used for church, because now you say, well, how did the church go from 500,000 to 234 million if they killed the pastors and locked them away? You know why? Because those that were truly saved said, well... You know what? Dan knows the Bible. Let's get him up. Let's go meet at his house. And, uh, and, and, and he can share the gospel with those that will come and share the word of God. And that would go on for a while. And this is what goes on today now. They'll do that. But the problem is, if they decide to and they find Dan's home, if we're just using Dan, we'll say Dan Lee as an example. 
uh, that they will come in and now they will put Dan in jail, possibly his family, and confiscate his home. So that's the risk you run. But th that's what they did. That The underground church movement began. And the more they persecuted them, the more it emboldened these Christians. And yes, they did face the uh, persecution. Recently, there was an interview... Uh, during an interview with a man uh, just called Mr. Lee uh, with the Equal Times, uh, he's a Chinese Christian and a part of the underground church today, said, he said, this is what he said, listen, if we get shut down, we will pick up our things and worship somewhere else. They took our church, they confiscated it, they turned it into a warehouse, they turned it into a stable, whatever they could do to, des to desecrate it. We just went somewhere else. There was someone in the church that owned a business. We went and started meeting there at that business. That businessman is found out. They confiscate that man's business, possibly take him to jail. We go somewhere else. And all the while, they're sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the time, they're growing in Christ. And all the while, people continue to get saved by the grace of Almighty God. <laughs> Why? Oh, and, and by the way, it's because of these things that some experts believe that in a few years there will be more Christians in China than any other country in the world. In a communist country, in an atheist country, to where they have no rights, and if you know China now, they're spying on every last little thing and, uh, and, and rounding up subversive, it's a, it's a terrible situation. But the church goes on. Why? Because when the enemy is at the door, they look up, they look in, they reach out, and they go to church. We've been studying here in 2 Chronicles. You'll find the account in 2 Chronicles, and as well as Isaiah, as well as 2 Kings. You'll also find these historic accounts written on uh, uh, the Babylonian um, remnants, you can go to the British Museum today and see uh, much of what we're talking about today as well. But in studying the historical account of the Assyrian conquest of the Middle East in 700 B.C., and one king that stood, one city that survived, one nation that thrived and revived in the midst of adverse circumstances, uh, we learn many things. Now, I ask you this today. Are you personally experienced trial, trials and troubles in your life today? See, to try to get you the picture, the city of Jerusalem was literally surrounded by the Assyrian army. Hundreds of thousands. Let me get it in a better context. For miles around, they have come up and just, I mean... Uh, they've been knocking cities out like it's nobody's business. With cruelty and force, no one can stand up against the Assyrians. Their power is, I mean, it, it, is, it is unprecedented that what they're able to do. Their cruelty is unprecedented if you fail to surrender to them. I mean, it's a remarkable thing. And I'm telling you, every city, every nation all around them is, has fallen to the Assyrian Empire. But there's this one city standing right in the middle of all this, and here's hundreds of thousands of this army that's taken out every other city, taken down every other temple and every other god, and they are stand bold here against the city of Jerusalem. That's the idea here. 
So the point is, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like it's not just coming from one side? It's coming from the other side? I mean, uh, you know, the exits are blocked. I don't know if you ever watch shows or movies or you watch police chase movies. It's always the funniest thing to me. You know, they do these things to where uh, this is the biggest case ever and this is the biggest person they're trying to catch ever and they know right where they're at. And they call in the whole cavalry and, man, there's hundreds of police and there's snipers up on the roofs and everything else. And then they run in to go get the bad guy and the bad guy runs out the back door. In shows and movies, they never block that back door and they just run right out. Well, let me tell you something. The Assyrians had the back door blocked. You ever feel like that? There's no way out. It ain't just one thing. It's two, three, four, five things that, listen, are a whole lot bigger than you. If you just look at it from a natural standpoint, you have no chance. But I got good news. That's where they were, but they did something. They trusted in a God, folks, who's our God. Amen? They trusted in a God who has never changed. They trusted in a God who will still deliver His people. Now, that doesn't mean that we may not have difficulties, just like our Chinese brothers and sisters. But I'm telling you, folks, God's work goes on. The church goes on. I've said this in every, every message of this series. I've shared this paragraph in for, some form or the other. You and I have an enemy who wishes to destroy us, to destroy our families, who despises the church of the living God, wants to divide this country, wants to dispose of the godly principles on which she was founded. And folks, the enemy's on the move. And again, whether it's just in your personal life, your family life, your, or, or whether you just look at the nation at large or, or, or the Christian uh, church at large, you can see that the enemy is moving. So the question on people's minds today is this, where or what do we do? How are we to respond? Where do we go from here? And in this series, I've tried to look at some principles I believe that will help us that the key is what you're looking at. Number one, we learn from Hezekiah and other principles in the Word of God to look up. To look upward. Folks, don't spend so much time looking down and looking around and, uh, you know, listening to all these, uh, th- these, uh, these podcasts and watching these videos. And yes, maybe there are people that agree with us, but if all they've got is doom and gloom and how great and powerful uh, the, 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 the left and, the, and those that are against God are coming against us. I told you this before, but man, we got to be careful when people are making, they seem to be making more of these people than, 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 than that's made of God. I'm not saying that we don't need to recognize what's going on in the world or in our lives, but what I'm saying is there's a major issue when we're making more of the devil than we're making of our God. Oh, the devil's up to this, and he's going to do that, and man, then they're going to come in and do that. You just wait and see. It's coming. It's happening. Okay. Let me tell you about somebody else. My God. My God knows all about this. My God is not surprised by the devil's schemes. My God is not saying, what's next? 
My God saying, no, I got this, amen? See, my God, your God is still our refuge and strength. And no matter how strong, how wise, how clever, how well planned the enemy is, I'm telling you, God and God's people will prevail. Amen. That's why I can stand up here before you today and loudly say, Woo! Hallelujah to my God. Amen. Aren't you worried, preacher? Oh, I've got some concerns. I'd be foolish not to have some concerns. If I spend a whole lot of time looking at those concerns, those concerns get bigger than just concerns. They grow to full-blown worry. Then I'm sitting around with some of these other folks, you know, that every night before, I mean, every night and just throughout the course of the day, son, I mean, they're just uh, popping tums and washing them down with Maalox and just to try to get through the day. But I don't spend that much time looking at that. I try to spend some time looking up. All right? So I've preached about that already, okay? But I, I'll kind of, th this will still refer to that a little bit. But they, 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 we, we need to learn to look up. We need to learn to look in. It's time to make sure you're right with God. If you're not saved, you need to make sure you're saved by the grace of God. Don't play games. It's not about, well, people think I'm saved, so what? Man, don't be living this life thinking you're a Christian or trying to get by being a religious person or getting by with, oh, I believe in God. No, you need to make sure that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Amen? And looking inward, child of God, you need to make sure your heart's right with God. We need to make sure that our hearts are clean, that, that we confess our sins to God, that we make sure that we're living in a way and that, and that, that men and women, that our, houses, that, that our houses are literally in order that we're trying to teach our families and, and those around us that we're protecting them with the truth of God's Word. So we look upward, we look inward. But I want to say that today's message is we look around. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 20, the Bible says this. Now all this is going on. Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. <laughs> That's why I titled the message, Let's Go to Church. What are we going to do? Preacher, I'm having a terrible time. All that's coming against me right now, I'm overwhelmed. I look at, I look at maybe what's coming in, in, in the world. We may be overwhelmed. What are we going to do? We're going to look up. We're going to look in. What else do we need to do, preacher? We need to go to church. <laughs> that's what Hezekiah did. Just imagine that. You're looking here at the king, and you're saying, King, here's what's going on. And he says, Okay, well, we need to look up. We need to look in. Okay, okay, we'll do that, Hezekiah. Now what? Now let's go to church. Let's go down to the house of the Lord now. <laughs> well, uh, okay, uh, but Hezekiah. See, the Assyrians were knocking at the door. Israel has already been defeated, and now Judah is going to be surrounded, and Hezekiah goes to church. If you would uh, go over to the book of uh, uh, Isaiah, you don't have to turn over there. I'll read the verses to you. I told you these all parallel. Now, okay. The Assyrians are moving across the country. I mean, I'm talking about just destroying people. I, I can't even express to you. Uh, I mean, it's just like a fire in a dry field. That's the, 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 dry field, the dry field versus fire and wind is what anybody is like against the Assyrians. I just can't express it enough. That's what they're doing. And Sennacherib sends one of his officers to Hezekiah. And he stands outside of the city gate a little ways off. And in Isaiah 36, verses 14 and 15, 
Here's what this man says. What you'll find out is this enemy is just straight up trash talking. I'm not going to read it all because he kind of goes on and on. But he says, Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. Uh, this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. See, outside of the city, outside of the church, the enemy tries to instill fear and cause division. Do you, ever, do you ever feel that way? Is there ever a part of you when somebody's trying to encourage you in the Lord and tell you, man, it's going to be all right, God's in control? Is there ever a part of you that has those same words that Rabshakeh had for the children of Israel? Don't let him fool you. There may be somebody listening today saying, don't let him fool you. It's not going to be okay. Preacher, I got this video to show you. It's not going to be okay, I promise you. Just go to YouTube. It's not going to be okay. No, I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to tell you it is going to be okay, all right? Um, but he says, don't believe it. Don't believe it. He, he goes on to say, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he says to them, you'll be better off if you just surrender. Quit fighting. Quit resisting and just give in. You'll be better off. And by the way, the one thing I didn't tell you is he's saying all this in Hebrew. He's coming up and he's speaking. He's an Assyrian, but he's speaking in Hebrew because he wants everybody in the city to hear him. Matter of fact, during the course of the dialogue, those that are meeting with this Assyrian representative says, hey, man, we, we, we can speak Assyrian. Just speak Assyrian because we don't want people to hear what you're saying. He says, oh, no, I'm not speaking Assyrian. I want to speak where everybody can hear me because he wanted to instill fear and cause division. He said, you'll be better off if you surrender. And here's what he's saying too. Hezekiah is going to get you tortured and killed. If you surrender, it's going to be okay. But if you don't surrender, you're all going to be tortured and killed. That's what they did. See, the purpose of all this trash talk was to try to defeat the spirit of the people. I'll tell you something else it was also. They were trying to cause division because they wanted some people in the church or in the city to say, what is, what, what is the king doing? He's killing us here. We need to quit all this standing for the Lord business. I mean, matter of fact, at one point, that representative from Assyria actually said, hey, the Lord sent us here. It's the Lord's will for us to come and for you to surrender to us. I mean, man, it, it's, it's, there's so much mind games that go on. But it's God's word that will help you overcome that. So he was trying to defeat the spirit of the people. He was trying to cause people to divide within the church. Church, division is something that the church has always got to be on guard for. But even more so in times like these. It's okay that we, if we have differing opinions. It's okay if we have differing opinions of the, of the issues that we're facing today. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, we cannot allow these, we cannot allow these political issues personal issues to become things that we're drawing a line in the sand in the church about. Because as long as we're agreeing on what the Word of God says, then, uh, uh, you know, well, the Word of God says we should never accept this election. No, it don't. Uh, I mean, you can feel that way, but just because somebody else doesn't, doesn't mean you got to, we're not going to let that kind of stuff divide. But the enemy's always trying to divide. 
So what, what did they do? They went to church. And folks, this is what our forefathers have been doing for centuries. Whether it's in the houses of Rome, where the Christians were being persecuted, whether it's in the caves of northern Italy, or the, far, the forest of the Soviet Union, or today in an apartment in Shanghai, folks, people, God's people have still gone to church. He said, well, preacher, we don't need the building. I'm not talking about the building. Thank God for the building. But these people still gathered because that's what the church is. The thing you've got to be careful about, I think, in a way, we can sometimes get a misunderstanding about the be the church idea. I believe we should be the church. But what some people think is, that means I can isolate it alone on my own, be the church. Well, that's, that's asinine. That, that doesn't make sense. The church is a called out assembly. The church is people that come together. Now, they may come together in the woods. They may come together in a cave. They may come together in a business or a home. But, folks, we, we keep coming together. And, uh, and so that's what the church is. That's what the church has always done. Temple worship was at the heart of the Jewish nation. And if that was wrong, everything else would be wrong. And, folks, I still believe today that God started the church for a reason. And I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but he started the church. But, and you know what else he said about the church? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? Amen? So that sounds like, the church sounds like a pretty, pretty safe thing to be a part of. The church sounds like a pretty safe place to be. All right? So I'm going to give you just a few reasons today, and then, I will, uh, then we'll dismiss and have, our, have a meeting shortly thereafter. But the first thing, the first reason we ought to go to church is the church is a place where we can find refuge. I should have told you to turn over here, but I wish you'd turn over to Psalm 46. I've referred to this every message, but in Psalm 46, and, and I've got some of the verses I'll share up on the screen here, but Psalm 46, Psalm 47, and Psalm 48 were all written after the events that we're reading about today with Hezekiah and the Assyrians. Because as I've told you, the way this story ends is ultimately God, God sends the angel of the Lord and in one night that angel kills 185,000 of the Assyrian army. Hezekiah hears a rumor about something going on back home and so in one night the battle is won and never again does Assyria come against this city. The victory is given. So then these Psalms, 46, 47, 48, are written. So my first point, therefore, is this. The church is a place to find refuge. The Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge. You said, preacher, are you saying the church is our refuge? No, but I'm telling you, God is our refuge, and it's, it's, it's within the church, and following what he says, we're going to find that refuge. Amen. And praise God, we have it at home and we have him all the time. Don't misunderstand me. But the church is a place to find our refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know what that word very present, that, those two words carry the idea of right now. Right now. See, when a siege is coming, inside the city walls is where you want to be. Inside the city walls is where you want to be. It's, there's a refuge. Folks, there's a rally. You listen to me closely. You're going through a difficult time. That is not the time to stand alone. 
The days that may be coming against us, our Chinese brothers and sisters, Christians, for the last 2,000 years, one thing they've understood is during difficult times, that is not the time to stand alone. Now, how many of you know that when you're going through a tough time, when the enemy's surrounding you, sometimes church is the last place you want to be? Well, I'm just going through a tough time right now, preacher. I'll come back when I get things right, get things straightened out. You know, you know what that's like saying? I mean, th that's like being sick and calling your doctor and saying, Doc, I'm feeling terrible. My fever's high. I'm achy. I can't do anything. But you know, if I get to feeling better, I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come see you then. No, listen. The church is not the place where you come. It is the place you come when you're feeling good. But it's the place you go when you're going through it. It's, there's, there's a refuge here. We find our refuge in God ultimately, but I'm telling you there's a refuge. There's a rally. Uh, I mean, we stand together. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the Bible gets down here. Look at verse number 4. The Bible says, There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The city of God. So he's talking corporately. These people together. Inside the city, there's encouragement, refreshment, and protection. I started thinking about this, about rallying, about being together. The Bible says that we need to carry the shield of faith. We need to carry a shield of faith. And when that, that is shared by the Apostle Paul, he is trying to give us a picture, you know, as he goes through the armor of the Lord. He's trying to give a picture, and he's imagining that uh, the, the, the Roman soldiers and their gear. So the shield of faith, as you can see, it's large enough to protect you pretty well if you're out on your own. But this is one of the things that made the, a, a Roman legion so hard to deal with, is that folks, when they were together... They would literally lock these shields together. They would put shields over them. And they were basically like a tank moving against the enemy. Let me tell you something. Let me ask you today, please. You're going through a tough time. Your family, your home, your church, your whatever else it is. It's not time to go out here and be out on your own. It's time to get in here and lock shields. Because I'm telling you, you look around you this morning and you're going to find some people that want to lock shields with you. You're looking at some people that want to help you through it. See, because you're not the only one going through a tough time. We all are. And we may think ours is worse because it is worse to us because it's us. But I'm telling you, folks, together, we come together by the grace of God. We make a wall. Our refuge. Amen? And... Uh, I thought about this, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says, I'm, I'm sorry, 10, 25, uh, the Bible says, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, why did he say that verse? It was written to Christians who were being persecuted, Hebrew Christians being persecuted. Therefore, like I just said, he was having to encourage them because some of them were leaving church. And he said, man, don't do that. This isn't time to leave the church. This is time to get in. This is time to commit. We say, preacher, the problem with church, though, is that, uh, man, not, not everybody in that church over there is perfect. The people that are looking for that perfect one, 
Or the people that go to it that, that, that are joining or, or, or they never find a church. They shop, they shop for churches their whole lives trying to find that perfect church, trying to find that perfect preacher. There's preachers that do that. There's preachers that are trying to find that perfect church to preach to. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Because, and, 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 you know, and I've heard this before. I say this to the preacher, and I say it to everyone that's listening to me right now. If you find the perfect church, if you happen to find it, please don't go there. You'll mess the whole thing up. Amen. I mean, just let it ride, man. The point is, is we're all imperfect. That's why we need each other. I mean, that's why the way, the, the, the attitude by the grace of God of this church, I mean, it, is, it isn't like, you know, some of you country people could tell me this, but I, I've heard that little uh, chicks, if they, they'll find a, a blemish or something on another chick, and they'll start picking at that blemish on another chick. And pretty soon, they'll all join in, and before long, uh, that there's a bunch of chicks that could literally peck another chick to death. If that ain't a true story, just let me tell it, all right? Well, it's called a preacher story. But my point is, is that ain't how it is, folks. Because since we are all flawed, now here's the thing about a church. You're flawed in a different way than I'm flawed. And I'm flawed in a different way than you're flawed. But we all flawed. We're, we're all still growing. We all still have this old nature, so we all still need some help. Amen? We need some encouragement along the way, all right? So, uh, so, so as tempting as it is to forsake and leave the church, have so many have done. So many have done. Going through a tough time, preacher. Man, well, come. Be here. You're going to get the help you need. You're going to get the prayers you need. You're going to get the love you need. All right? So the church is a place of refuge. Not only that, but quickly, the church is a good place to get a reminder. The church is a good place to get a reminder. Uh, I'll share these with you too. If you want to write it down, 2 Kings chapter number 19. This is telling about this same exact story. The church is a place to get a reminder. 2 Kings 19, verses 6 and 7. This is what Isaiah says to Hezekiah concerning the situation. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. That's 2 Kings 19. Isaiah prophesies that Jerusalem will not fall to the Assyrians, which is a remarkable prophecy. Now let me ask you this. I mean, see, it's all about perspective. Who will you believe? See, don't believe the words that you've heard. Matter of fact, he's saying, don't believe that what you see. You've heard what the Assyrians can do to people. You've seen outside of the, tent, the, outside of the city walls this massive army around you. But what are you going to believe? See, from an earthly perspective, it might make more sense to go with, you know what? We are going down. It might make more sense to say, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it from an earthly perspective. Can I ask you a question? I mean, just get the picture here. I told you already, here's the army. They're surrounded. I mean, they got blood-soaked armor. They probably come with a trail of blood from everywhere they came. 
They're probably carrying heads on uh, uh, poles and everything else. Here's this one city standing in the, in, in the way of the Assyrians, pretty much controlling the entire Middle East, going all the way down to Egypt. <laughs> and here comes Isaiah. Hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Be honest. Do you ever think the preacher's talking crazy talk? I mean, really. Do you ever just think, uh, yeah, preacher. Look out there. See, I'm telling you, I know this. Because I know when I try to preach and try to, try to remind you of the greatness of God, I know there are some people that say, yeah, that's good for... Uh, that's good for them. It's good for them. Well, that, I, that's great. But preacher, you hadn't seen who's camped out outside of my life right now. You haven't seen what I'm up against. You haven't heard what I've heard. <laughs> and that's where you say, so say what now? I mean, really? No, no. See, I'm telling you, my God's big enough. Your God's big enough. Amen. So we get a reminder uh, I, I, can, I can imagine, I can imagine some being frustrated by their unwillingness to yield and to compromise. I don't know, it may not even be a preacher. Maybe, it's, maybe you have somebody in your life that is, an, that, I'm not just talking about being an idiot and optimistically heading the clouds, not having any idea that things could act, bad things could actually happen. I'm talking about somebody who understands that, yeah, bad things can happen and may happen, but my God's in control, therefore, they're always like, honey, it's going to be all right. Maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your husband. Oh, honey, I know it looks bad, but let me tell you something, God's good. Oh, he's delivered, he's delivered from a whole lot more than this. Amen. I mean, sometimes that can almost get frustrating for some people. Have you ever been told you're in denial? See, there's no doubt that people hear me preaching this series and think, yeah, old preacher's in denial. You know, no, preacher's not in denial. I mean, I told you what happened to our Chinese brothers and sisters. Same thing can happen to us. But my point is, church is going to go on. Go to church. What if the church is out in the woods somewhere? Go to church. What if it's in the valley? Go to church. What if it's in somebody's home? Go to church. Get around the people of God. See, you're going you're to hear a reminder about the, about the goodness of God. Now, the church is a place of, uh, what did I say? The church is a place of, uh, of refreshing, of, of refuge. It's a place for to get a reminder. But then thirdly and quickly, it's a place of revival. The verse I just shared with you is also out of Psalm verse 46. Verse 4, there is a river. The stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. <laughs> this is cool. There's a river. A river is refreshing. See, one of the things that a siege would accomplish, they would surround the entire city. People would run into the city, close the doors, and whatever food and water they had in the city is what they had. And so the idea was all the enemy on the outside had to do is outlast the food and water supply. Then eventually they're going to open up the doors. And when those doors are opened up, guess what? The enemy comes in. 
That's how a siege worked. But see, in Jerusalem, there's a river. There's a river. And cool thing, this is a cool historic thing. This was discovered, I believe, in like the 1800s. But the Bible tells us what happened here. The Bible tells us about exactly what happened here in, um, in 2 Chronicles. See, Hezekiah had some engineers dig a conduit through solid rock. This conduit, you could go see this today. This conduit is uh, the waters from the spring of Gihon that are outside the pool of Shalom inside the city. So basically, they had water running from a water source into the city. So they literally had water. So the enemies out there, they could besiege and besiege all they want to. But on the inside, I see Zach taking a drink. That might be coffee. But I'm going to take a drink of water. On the inside, they're just like, bring it on, boys. Matter of fact, there's a little bit of humor that takes place. I told you about that dude talking all that smack and all that trash talk. The Bible actually records in Isaiah chapter number 36, verse 2, the Bible says that that man is actually standing right beside where that conduit is running underground, talking all that junk. Amen? And I'm telling you why. That's why we can say with the psalmist today, God is our refuge and strength. Amen. A very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the mountains be removed, though the earth shakes and, and so forth. Why? Because there is a river. The streams whereof make glad the city of God. Child of God, we can still be joyful. Amen. I mean, one of the things when, our, when our, many of our forefathers were being burned at the stake, man, listen, they would be singing hymns. They'd be sharing the gospel. They'd be trying to tell people about Christ. I'm telling you, they're, 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 sometimes they're, they're, their joy was so convincing and their spirit was so convincing, there would literally be people in the midst of, a, of, of Christians being killed in a public execution to make an example out of them. There would actually be people that would make a public profession right on the spot and join them in being martyred. See, as God's people, we don't need to be these people going around. And we don't need to be these people going around. We need to be these people. Hallelujah, God's good. Hey, the whole world's going to pot, you know that? Yeah, but I'm going to heaven, amen. And come what may, I've got a river. See, because this is true as the church, man, I believe you'll find a river in the church. But I'm telling you, in, in, a, in a much truer sense, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit of God? He said he shall be river, uh, like a river of water in you. Amen? <laughs> See, they could take a lot of things from us today. But I'm telling you, they could, they could take this building. They could take my home. They could take my freedom. They can take my health. There's a lot of things that can be taken away from me today. But they can never take my salvation. And they can never take my river. Amen? They can never take the Holy Spirit of God and that connection. See, I've, everyone, if you're saved by God's grace today, you have an unseen source. That's what that river was, an unseen source. The world around you thinks, how do you do it? I've got an unseen source, but I'd like to introduce you to him, amen? I've got a, I've got a source that not everybody sees. So the church is a place of revival. The church is a place, I'll just give these to you quickly. The church is a place where you have a role. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 11, he speaks to the people in the congregation, and he says, My sons, 
be not now negligent. And in, in 2 Chronicles 29, 12 through 14, he names uh, a number of men that were there to help in the temple ministry, to help in the work of the house of God. Listen, I want you to know today, if you're not saved today, you need to get saved. But if you're saved, yeah, I say let's go to church. It's a place of refuge. It's a place for reminders. It's a place for revival. But I want to tell you something else. It's a place where you have a role. You matter to the church. You say, well, preacher, I'm not, I hadn't really found anything to do yet. But man, don't, don't give up, amen. There's, there's a lot to do, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's just a matter of getting together and, and, and hashing things out. But I'm telling you, you have a role. There's something you can do within this church. I'm telling you, I believe that every person can be involved. I need to do a better job, but I, I need help doing a better job, amen. A lot, of time, a lot of times people, man, people think way too much of me. Well, I don't know why preacher don't do this, and I don't know why our church don't do that. Have you met me? It's a miracle that I can get up here and put a couple sentences together sometimes. And you want me to figure out how to run every last possible ministry of this church? That's not going to happen. We need you. You have a role in the church, and that's important. See, and, and, and it's a time. What happens? Man, trouble time comes. These men could have simply said, uh, Hezekiah, I ain't got time to help you in this church. The enemy's out there. Well, that's the best time to help, amen? That's the best time to get involved. That's the best time to find something to do, all right? Uh, I, I love this. You have a role. But here's one of the cool things about the church, about being in the church. Also, Psalm 46 uh, Let's see what I got here next. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Psalm 46 also says, She shall not be moved. She shall not be moved. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I understand that the church is way minimalized today, but folks, you'll never find Jesus Christ minimalizing the New Testament local church. You'll never find the New Testament minimalizing the local church. You'll never find that. Why? Because it matters. It's important. His, the Bible states it, and history bears it out. Let's go to church. And then lastly, the church is a place of redemption. 2 Chronicles 30 verse 1 says, to keep, Why are we getting together? We're going to get together and keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. What's Passover? Passover is reminding folks about when the blood of the Lamb was shed. This deserves a whole message, but I'm just trying to give these to you quickly. Man, we talked about the northern kingdom of Israel, those ten tribes that are now called Samaria. They were taken over by the Assyrians and taken captive. But, those, but, but there were many. That was a rebellious place. They weren't worshiping God. They had their backs turned to God. But you want to know something? This city we're talking about, Judah, they had their doors open to these people. Jerusalem had their doors open to those people if they would come. And I'm glad, folks, today there's still a message, amen, that the Bible says. I wish I'd have made that bigger. The Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Folks, those doors were open to whosoever will. 
And I'm glad the doors of this church are still open to who, the church are still open to whosoever will, and the gospel is open to whosoever will. Amen. If you can, you have you, have you trusted Christ? Man, the church is a place for redemption. It's time, man. We need to share our faith. We need to tell people about Christ. We need to try to get them in church where they can hear about Christ, but we need to be able to share the gospel with them. Hey, if you don't know Christ today, I want to tell you the church is a place of redemption. It's a place where you can trust Christ. Oh, man, they welcome folks in, and that's what we need to do today. So what do we need to do? Hey, if you're not saved, I'll tell you what you need to do. Get saved today. <laughs> I think about that uh, was it the Philippian jailer that said, what must I do to be saved? And the apostle Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on him today. Trust him. He said, I believe in him, no believe on him. In other words, put all your faith and trust in what he's accomplished for you. Get saved. Get into church and find your place in the church. Amen. Raise your family in church. I'm telling you, we hadn't done a whole lot right as parents. But I'm telling you what, I think that the benefit of raising our kids in... Now, raising our kids in church, if we're not doing nothing at home, it's not accomplishing a whole lot. But man, I'm telling you, our kids are a lot like some of the preachers that we have come through here some of the time that they said they grew up and they had a drug problem. You ever heard that one? Had a drug problem. Because their mama and daddy drugged them to church on Sunday morning. Drugged them in on Wednesday night. Drug them in for a revival meeting. Oh, honey, do you want to go to church today? What do you think? I don't want to go to church half the time. Of course they're going to say no. It's funny, you know, I, I thought about this. I always go back to this. I'm trying to close, look at me. But I'm trying to close, but I always think back about this. Uh, Brother Ed Ledford, he was the man that helped disciple me as a young Christian. And we'd go around and we'd invite people to church and tell people about Christ together and and, and I remember old Ed, and, and he, was, uh, he was a Yankee I, and everything. He was up from around somewhere in the Northeast, and, and he had this big, gruff, rough Yankee voice. And uh, I remember uh, somebody saying, well, man, you, you ought to, you'd love for, love for you to come to church, bring the kids to church. Oh, well, we don't want to make our kids come to church because we're scared when they grow up, they won't want to come to church. And then Ed Ledford just said, well, do you make them brush their teeth? You better not do that because they're going to grow up and never want to brush those teeth again. Bless their hearts. You make them take a bath. You better not. Oh, my goodness. They're going to grow up one day and never take a bath again. Right? I know it's not the exact same thing, but I'm telling you, by God's grace, I don't think about whether or not I want to come to church that often. Obviously, I'm the preacher, so I kind of got to be here anyway. But it's not about whether I want to come or not. It's just that you just make up your mind and come. And I understand there are circumstances and everything. Please understand what I'm saying. But I'm talking about, I believe it's an important thing, man. Listen, Hezekiah says, things are going nuts. The enemy's surrounding us. Hezekiah, what are we going to do? He said, let's go to church, amen. 